everybody and welcome to the Maya Minds podcast. I'm your host George and here at Maya Minds we want to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the exercising and sporting community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Maya Minds podcast. I'm your host George and today I'm here with Hannah. Hi Hannah, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, George? Um, yeah, I'm good. I, I we spoke a little bit off um, off podcast about this, but I've been having a a bad. Um, probably, I would I would say I did say three days, but if I'm honest, it's probably more than a week. It's probably more like a week um, where I've been. I've I'm not really feeling. Um, what's the word? I don't feel kind of put together. I feel kind of broken. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm. Um, I guess it's the it's the idea. It's the whole um pandemic I forgot the word then you say it so many times I forgot, <laughs> I forgot the you word. think it was so ingrained in you now <laughs> yeah um I think it's the whole pandemic thing of uh like I'm obviously I've got all these like really cool opportunities that are going on with my minds and stuff and that's all really exciting but I'm still trying to get like a proper job and you know I'm, mm-hmm. I don't really have like a stable income of money or or you know anything like that so trying to deal with that whilst also trying to push this my stuff that I'm doing and I, I love what I'm doing I'm not complaining at all but I don't know I think I just got I kind of I got to the point where I was like oh what's the point like nobody's hiring me like I don't know what's gonna happen and I you know I just felt kind of lost mm. yeah I think I don't think you're alone in that especially at the moment like there is so much uncertainty with even though we've got this date of like you know the end of month we can meet in groups of six and then sort of like June time it'll be all back to normal that's still not set in stone and so I think the uncertainty of that on top of then kind of jobs and like you say your income and stuff I think it can leave you feeling a bit maybe out of control and I think you know from listening to your podcast and kind of chatting with you before we're both people that kind of like that control aspect so I think yeah massively just like it's it's kind of normal for you to be feeling that yeah yeah and yeah I agree um and I think it control is something that's really common in people who have eating disorders which you know obviously both Mm -hmm. of us have experiences with um and yeah it's I yeah, it's it's been a difficult one. Today has been. I always tr- I try and see it because I think I think when I fall into the bad place, I end up seeing it in a. These are my like two new favorite words, and I feel like I've said them in another podcast. So I apologize, people listen to the. I think it was the Rachel Langbean podcast, but the, this idea of pathogenic versus salutogenic ways of looking mm-hmm. at eating disorders, and I think when I fall into a the negative side for people who haven't listened to my explanation, basically pathogenic is the idea that there's unhealthy and healthy, and you kind of fall into you there's two categories and you're either healthy or unhealthy and when I am in a bit of bad space I think oh now I'm on like I've got an eating disorder again I'm, I'm like a bad person and all you know I'm, I start putting all this pressure on myself and I need to fix myself um mm-hmm. whereas instead if I look at it in a salutogenic way in this idea of it being a spectrum of on one side there's you know this you know, completely like healthiness so to speak in, in inverted commas and, and then on the other side is the is the eating disorder like full-blown eating disorder when it gets at my worst um mm-hmm. and see that actually what i do is on some days i kind of move towards that and they currently i'm probably around the middle range maybe slightly mm-hmm. towards that that eating disordery side um yeah. but it's more about pulling myself back and, and you know controlling those little spikes that move me towards that side i tend to feel better that way um 
Yeah, I don't know what. How do you do you how do you see yours? Do you like you know with your experiences and stuff? Do you do, you, do you, does does that resonate with you when I say like it being that spectrum that you move across? Yeah, I think so. I think often you know sometimes I'll think, oh my god, like what was the point in the ten years of going through recovery because I'm right back to where I started, but actually you know I'm I'm never at a point where I was before and also even just having that thought of oh my god I'm back to where I was that self-awareness of things have started happening again that is something I never had before because when I was at my worst it was just normal life and I was so happy to be going along with things and you know all the dieting behaviors what have you they were my life and I was really happy and at no point did I think this is unhealthy and this is bad whereas now if something does happen and I feel like I'm slipping a little bit it's probably like a day two days and then I'm like Hannah get back on track like you know that's not what you want and also those behaviors that used to make me feel really good and I used to feel like you really like euphoric from whatever I was doing now make me feel really bad um and it's funny like I always think back to when I was like in the depth my eating disorder I'm like literally how how on earth did I do it because I don't know how I was even functioning like I was doing my a-levels at the time and I literally don't know how that was possible Mm -hmm. because now like after an hour of the like constant thoughts in my brain I'm like this is too tiring I can't do this like can we just can we just like go back to where we were in a happy place so Mm -hmm. yeah I think definitely you slide between it and like I think we've spoken about this before in that I think people expect recovery to be like this perfect place where you never have a disordered thought again um but actually I think it's not about you never you know if you're going out for an ice cream or something it's never about oh my god I don't want an ice cream it's just being able to think what is going on right now is there something in my life that is you know I feel a bit out of control of and I'm putting that into food and exercise and how can I manage that and I've got like a toolbox of coping mechanisms rather than just like falling down the rabbit hole again yeah yeah I, I agree 100% it's, it's almost like um recovery as far, you know, obviously everyone's different but as far as I see it and from what it sounds like you just said there um from how you would see it as well is um it's it's understanding your stresses and then mm-hmm. uh, gathering support or coping mechanisms as well so you know if the stresses are trying to move you to that negative side of the spectrum that you know the disordered eating side understanding what they are so then you can try and limit them or just you know stop them from happening for as long maybe um yeah. and then developing coping mechanisms coping strategies etc to pull yourself back across toward to the to the happier side um so i wanted to i wanted to ask you to maybe start things off here obviously um you are the the host of the full of beans podcast which is all about eating disorders etc etc um i wanted to to talk a little bit a little bit more about your experiences Mm -hmm. um so do you have a memory um of when you first started to um, take on these disordered eating behaviors and also do you do you have a memory of when you actually first realized it so when it first happened and then also when you realized it so I'm not laughing here like 
at your question I'm laughing because of just how kind of messed up it is but when you say first memory um I (laughs) sorry I shouldn't laugh but I don't think I can really remember a time that it wasn't disordered um you know like I've spoken about this on previous podcasts and I always like to say I don't blame my mum in the slightest Mm -hmm. um but unfortunately my mum you know when I talk to her she says she's been on a diet since she was 13 so and she never questioned why she was on a diet because my grandma was also on a diet um and I think sort of that generation diet was just such a normal thing to to do um my mum was telling me the other day like um she her mum had some so my grandma had some laxative toffees and my mum knew she couldn't have those toffees when she was younger but she didn't know why but then when it came to like she was old enough to buy them it just felt completely normal to go and buy them because that's what her mum did so I think for my mum dieting had constantly been something that she did and so for me I can't really remember a time when there wasn't dieting in the household so I think I've always been aware that in my mind, a woman should be on a diet, not a man, because my dad was never on a diet, but a woman should always be on a diet. And I have like a vivid memory of, I was probably like five years old or something at school. um, And this boy had like, I I fancied this boy and I tried to, I was kind of like, I was a pretty strong girl. um, And this boy that I fancied wanted to sit down on this chair and this other guy sat down. So I pushed him out the way, like, oh, you know, I've got your back, mate. And this other guy was like, oh, fat, you don't do that. And then... The, the other guy that I fancied didn't back me up, obviously, because, you know, I was five years old, so no one's flirted at that age. Um, but then at break time, I threw away my Watsits and I remember not eating my lunch either. And obviously, like, that wasn't something that continued constantly, but it's kind of like there was those memories from when I was little, which I guess then built up. And I think, I don't know, I for, then for years, like it wasn't it wasn't really an issue like I'm a massive fan of food like if you ask my parents literally at breakfast I'd be asking what's for lunch and at lunch I'd be asking what's for dinner like I love food so much um and then I think I think I was probably about 13 um and we kind of like there was a group of us there was like 30 people in my friendship group and um in the summer we'd all hang out at the park and like get fish and chips and get ice cream and whatever and it it was fantastic um and but at the end of the summer I remember my mum saying you have put on a bit of weight and it wasn't I think now we talk about it and like we've we talk about it quite a lot because we're a very open family but like she she didn't want to say it in a negative way but to me it came across as you've put on weight that's bad um and I think I'd I'd always felt quite insecure I think I'd always been a bit like on the larger side of my friends and now looking back I think it was literally just puppy fat and I would have grown into my body and it would have all been fine but obviously with those comments especially coming from someone so close to me it was like okay there probably is an issue here and you know my mum had been on like very restrictive diets when she got married to my dad and stuff like that so I kind of saw it that you'll only be loved if you're thin Mm. um and then yeah so things 
I guess didn't really start happening until maybe I was like 14 15 and that's when I changed school so in Leicestershire you like go from um secondary school and then you go to college and I changed schools a lot of my friends were getting boyfriends and I wasn't and I think it was just like a massive insecurity thing and I just thought probably the best way to get a boyfriend is to not eat like everyone wants a skinny girlfriend um and so I just yeah I just stopped eating um started going to the gym all the time and also it was like around GCSE time so I just thought I'll put all my energy into my GCSEs and my A-levels then it was A-levels um and then I'll be really clever I'll be really skinny and I'll get a boyfriend um so I guess that was like when it started um but in terms of kind of when I realized there was a problem I think I didn't realize for ages because like I said I was just surrounded by diets so and it wasn't just my mum that was on a diet it was like all the women in my life like everybody else in my family was also on a diet um and a couple of my friends as well they had eating disorders so it was just I was in this like really bad circle of everybody was restricting what they were eating um I guess I don't know even when I started at CAMS because my mum and dad my mum took me to the doctors and then we started at CAMS but I don't still think I realized that there was an issue because so I had atypical anorexia um so I (laughs) I guess the issue with that diagnosis is that anybody that's diagnosed with atypical anorexia thinks they've failed because okay you've not hit the BMI cutoff point for anorexia nervosa and for an eating disorder that is so competitive mm. and so rigid and you want to be perfect atypical not really the word you want to be called um so I guess I didn't think there was an issue because I was like well I weigh enough like it's absolutely fine yeah. but I definitely didn't weigh enough because I didn't have a period for three, four years, um, which that is obviously a sign that I didn't, like my body couldn't function. Um, But I think there was one dinner where, um, I'm not going to go into details because I don't want to like give anybody any ideas, but I I used to like hide food um, and my dad noticed and my dad very much was my dad's always been like the quiet one and he's the good cop my mum's mom, my the bad cop and mum would like every day be getting at me and getting you know really stressed and she was really worried whereas dad would never really say anything unless it got like serious and he, I noticed that he saw me and you know when your parents are disappointed you just it's like the world fell apart and he didn't say anything he just carried on but afterwards he said to my mum like I think there's a real problem like with what Hannah's doing and I guess for my dad to say I think there's an issue I think that's when I realized "Mm, this might not be it's all like made out to be yeah so it wasn't even the there was that like after the diagnosis yeah yeah, so it wasn't even the diagnosis that kind of made you you realize it was actually your, your dad saying that 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 really had the yeah. impact. Yeah. yeah, because every time I went to um, went for therapy, I don't know whether it was me or I don't know whether it was the therapist, but I never felt like I was taken seriously because of the weight thing. It was as though you don't have an issue, um, but we're just going to keep you here anyway because like your parents are worried. 
and she'd she'd just suggest like at the time we were renovating our house and she'd be like oh well can't you just order a Domino's and I'd be like um well I can't really eat my dinner let alone a Domino's so I think I just felt like I was being taken as a joke um which just made me think there's clearly not an issue because even the therapists the experts aren't taking me seriously yeah and that that's one of the things that I I heard like shockingly often from people who have had especially with um eating disorders towards like you know um thinness orientated um is that idea that people obviously there's the misunderstanding that it's like a physical issue rather than a rather than a mental issue and i think one of the things that people often think is or oh, it's like that it's like an easy thing to sort because it's like oh you just get it eat as what you want you just yeah. like this is great you just eat, eat See more this and, ice cream yeah like this is the best thing ever but um i think that's a, a flaw in that idea that people don't realize that it is a psychological issue it's it's a it's the things yeah. underpinning the reason why you you feel the need to eat in that way and exercise in that way that that mm. that um is the issue um and the reason i kind of asked that was because i I, I thought it'd be a good one to stress the idea that, you know, if, if people are listening who maybe have friends who they're worried about or, um, or you're, you're a parent and, you know, your child's maybe going through something like this. I think, um, I think that stresses how, you know, it's not, don't blame yourself if it's a struggle or if it's becoming frustrating and the person is actually like, it's really hard to kind of get through to them. Um, mm-hmm. because, because it, like I'm, I was exactly the same, you know. For me, I I read I I did my I think I told you this, I did my master's degree in nutrition, so I've always been really interested in nutrition. And I think actually the thing that got me interested was when I first took on my eating disorder, um, mm. and I just started to read up about food and nutrition and stuff. And yeah, um, so I was always for me it was I'm smarter than you. Like you, if you try and <laughs> you you tell me that what I'm doing is unhealthy. I'll like I'd convince myself that you know if I ate in this certain way and exercise in this certain way that's like the way to achieve the goal that I want to achieve yeah um and especially when it became like muscle orientated because I just started lifting weights and you originally you get this kind of beginner gains and apparently even if you were you know not eating enough that I was that 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 I was doing at the time you even still get the beginner gains then at least I did anyway um so people would question me saying oh that's not what you're supposed to do you're not doing right I was like mate like my arms are getting bigger so like what are you <laughs> chat- like what are you chatting you don't know what you're talking about I'm smarter than you and I just had I don't know I don't know if this is something you relate to but I had such a sense of like grandiosity that like you just don't get it like I get it yep. like this is my life mm-hmm. and I think I think that's yeah. something that a lot of people experience um with eating disorders because it is your life so you're like I, I get yeah. it you don't yeah and it, it sounds so bad um but it's like I always used to think, you know, every new year would roll around and people would be like, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. Or, you know, like people would be like, oh, I wish I had the motivation to exercise. And I'd be like, well, I am the best <laughs> person in the world then, aren't I? Because that's, I'm so good at that. I'm so good at healthy eating. I'm so good at losing weight. I'm so good at exercise. Like it made me feel like I was better than everybody else mm. because they were all saying oh you know I really can't get into Hannah how do you have so much motivation and I'm like well it just comes natural to me but then you know that's what it feels like at the start and you feel so incredible because you know you're ticking all these boxes doing all these amazing things but it's then kind of 
I like to think of it at the start it was like a friend like anorexia was like go Hannah like you're doing amazing like little cheerleader Mm -hmm. but then as time went on it just started becoming such a bully and such an enemy and like nothing I did was good enough and I lost a lot of friends because one I just became a horrible person like it takes a lot of energy to be nice and I just did not have the energy to be polite to be nice to listen to people I didn't care what people had to say because I was having conversations in my head about what food we were going to eat for dinner I didn't have time to listen to other people um and also like social situations you know going out for birthdays or just for dinner or whatever I couldn't do any of them because that didn't fit into my rules and you know I needed to go to the gym for two hours so I didn't have time to meet up with a friend so like at the start it felt incredible and then very quickly it just became something that like you know you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy really because it just overtook everything and I think it's funny like you know if if you'd broken your leg and then you couldn't go and meet your friends um because you'd broken your leg they wouldn't think anything of you because they'd be like, oh, she's broken a leg. Like she needs to rest and she needs to like recover. But because it's not visible, I think often people, you know, I'm not blaming them in the slightest, but they can start to think, why is she not talking to us anymore? Why isn't she being very nice? And it's so difficult to explain what's going on in your head for somebody that hasn't understood. But then the the only way that you can really get help from people is if they do start to understand because you know like I said before I didn't have the energy to be nice so when I was snapping at my mum and dad all the time that must have taken so much for them to just be like come on Hannah come and sit down have some dinner with us it'll all be fine because I was just vile to be around um so yeah yeah and and and, um, again I don't I don't know about you but I like you just said there I suppose that you kind of you sympathize with the people who were trying to help you because you aren't a nice person like you know I was I was just arrogant like you just don't get it like I I was yes when people tried to reach out and help me I basically treated them like they were stupid um Mm -hmm. so again for people again if you know there are people listening to this who are maybe listening to this for looking for some kind of advice to help people i think that's a really good one is is accept that you probably will be frustrated at times because and that's normal um i think if you pretend that you're not then that that opens you up to making mistakes because then you might mm. say something in anger or in frustration yeah um, so i think accepting that okay i might get a bit pissed off um and maybe then i should take a step back and you know just say okay maybe yeah. we'll come back to this i think that's a really important message But also I think like, and I'm just talking on the perspective of my boyfriend here, but, you know, he is so good every day. Even now, if I'm having a difficult day or whatever, he'll be there like to support me and whatever. But sometimes he will just say, there's only so long I can do this for. Like Mm -hmm. you need, you are the only person I can stand here and I can cheer you on all you like but ultimately if you just want to stay in this rut of an eating disorder I can't get you out of it there's only one person that can and Mm -hmm. I think at the time I'm like that is so mean how dare you say that to me like I'm trying my best and you're being so horrible but then equally if he didn't say that I probably wouldn't ever claw myself out because I'd just be like well he's happy that I'm here I'm like you know fine living in this quasi recovery and you know we can just carry on like this but having that reality of you know he doesn't want this forever I don't want this forever 
it kind of does kick you up the bum to think, right, let's go do a challenge. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, my only, and I, I'm interested if you if you agree with this or not, but I would I would say that, that might not be the best approach for someone if they aren't, um, like you're very aware of your eating disorder. Yeah, no, definitely. So, if it's the start of, then no. If, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I should have said that, that I'm talking about like, you know, years down the line when yeah. I've been doing this yeah. for a while. I kind of, I kind of knew you were, but I just thought if someone's listening <laughs> yeah, and they go, oh, I've just got to go tell them that they've got something wrong with them. Um, yeah. I only do that if they're like someone, you know, like Hannah, who's very aware of what's going on. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, don't, be, don't be sorry. Um, I just thought there might be some confusion there, but um, mm -hmm. so speaking about kind of other people's, um, well, I, I suppose we we're kind of, I feel like this is a good segue. Um, when you started to um, uh, become aware of it or when other people started to become aware of it, I know you mentioned like your mom and your dad, but you know, what were other people's responses to it like coming out or them discovering mm. that this, this was something that, that was going on? Um, I guess a range of things. Like I'm very open about things now, but I, you know, if anybody comes to me and says, I, I, you know, what should I do? I think I'm struggling with an eating disorder. I'm more than happy to help people. And I think most people know now that I did have an eating disorder because I want to help other people. But when I first was struggling, I didn't want anyone to know. Like, I think, you know, this is 10 years ago, but I was just so ashamed. And my mum and dad didn't want anyone to know either because they were like, we've done wrong. Like, it's our fault that you've got this and we're going to look like bad parents. So unfortunately when I kind of was like going through treatment and stuff I only told my closest friends um and I don't know I look back now and I do regret my response because there was like two kind of groups of friends I suppose and one was just like well we can't like we can't cope with you like this like we can't do it whereas the other group were just very supportive and were just there when I needed them and that was lovely but for people that maybe weren't in my friendship group but were like at school a lot of people commented on you look amazing now you've lost weight or I remember one girl saying my mum saw you walking down the street the other day and you, she said you look so good now you've lost weight and I just you know when you think I would I mean I guess I'm coming from a different angle because I'm very aware that those sort of comments don't help people with eating disorders, but I just can't imagine ever saying to somebody, you look so good now. Like, you know, I mean, I don't think I'd ever comment on someone's body anyway, because I'm always very conscious of like, you know, the effect it might have, but I guess those comments just perpetuated it even more because I was like, well, I'm getting comments, you know, and these were like the cool kids at school. I was not a cool kid. I was a geek. And these were the cool kids saying to me, like, you look really good now. And I was like, well, I'm getting there, aren't I? Like my mission to start with was kind of to fit in more, um, to be more accepted. And that's where I was getting to. So I guess it, it just made everything like feel bigger mm. um, and feel better. But like in terms of friends, yeah I don't think I had the best experience with friends at the time but then I changed friendship groups because of the way that they kind of reacted to mating disorder and that was really good because they kind of were there when I needed them or if I didn't need to talk about it then it was I was just Hannah I did I didn't become Hannah with an eating disorder because I think sometimes 
people can be so concerned that they think that people need to talk about their eating disorder all the time but actually it was nice to like you know be able to go around a friend's house and just chill and you know talk about gossip or talk about random things that had nothing to do with it because it just took me away from that like I had it constantly in my head so I didn't really want it out loud as well yeah I think I think people offering you a a place where you can talk about if you want to that they're showing you that you know I don't think you're weird or I'm not going to like freak out or anything um but then also especially when you're when you're in it it like it's all you think about all the time so (laughs) having a moment where you can talk about something else or take your mind off it um, it might not even be your choice, but you know, just just speaking to, to someone about something else, some gossip or whatever, like you said, yeah, can be a nice little like respite for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just going back to your your comment about um, you know, commenting on people's bodies and stuff, I completely agree with you. And, and again, I just I just think it's just not worth it. Like, and the the issue is, and a big issue, obviously, my own minds is um, I'm trying to kind of reach out to the exercising community and especially within the gym. The gym culture commenting on someone's body is literally like, like, like number one on things to say to someone yeah. like, oh, you're looking good or like, oh, you've been working hard or like, um, like, uh, mm. and at least I know from, from my perspective, people saying your arms look big or like your shoulders look big or, or whatever, just, or just whatever, like commenting on the, the size of somebody, um, like, and then on the, on the flip side, you know, there's also outside the gym. I'm just thinking an example I'm just thinking of now is um, recently I posted like a no, it wasn't that recent. It was probably like a few months ago. I posted a picture on my like personal Instagram, and um, a, someone commented on it saying like, "Are oh, you um, you look skinny?" Um, or like so she said, like, "Oh, I'm worried. I'm worried about you. you look skinny or something." Like, and obviously it's ve- it's a very like endearing thing to like I feel like that from from her perspective from this woman's perspective who said it she would meant it in like a I'm worried about you because you look like you've lost weight um mm-hmm. but obviously from a lot of people's perspective you say it's you've lost weight then it's kind of like an underhanded compliment um yeah. so but for someone like myself who struggles with muscle dysmorphia mm-hmm. that that I thought she was saying you look small and like you don't yeah. look like you've not gotten a much muscle um and, and and luckily, I'm in I'm in a place where it doesn't bother me. Um, but it's stuff like that where you can you can be saying something in a way that you think is completely harmless. Like I'm sure a lot of people listening to this might have might hear, hear that comment and think, oh, it's just a like offhanded comment, it's not a big deal. But yeah. for some people, I know if if it was said to me a year ago or a couple of years ago, it would have completely like like messed with my head massively and in fact I had one of my yeah. good friends from from the gym who knows all about this he, he messaged me like five minutes after the comp the comment was put on saying like <laughs> are you okay like I saw this comment I know she, she didn't mean it that way and I was like yeah it's fine um yeah. yeah it can it can be difficult thing to traverse yeah I think it is it's like you say it's people just say things and they don't think about the repercussions it's going to have like I remember so when I would was doing powerlifting and I was in the under 57s and um a girl in the gym was like oh my god I can't believe you're an under 57 and my head was instantly like she thinks you're bigger than that like she thinks you're you should be in a higher weight category but I knew at that time that if I didn't question her that was going to be like months of me panicking about what she meant and so I was like oh like you know what what weight category do you think I in and she was like oh god like so much lower and I was like 
how annoying of my brain to just instantly think she thinks you weigh more than that mm. but also like why did she need yeah. to say it in the first place like I'm in that weight category why do you need to question that and I think I don't the thing is I think with this and I agree with you 100 percent um I think it's not even it's not an issue with the people because I even even like myself who is very very much hyper aware if I'm if I go into a gym and I see like my mates and they're, they're like bicep curling. My initial response is to say like, oh, mate, you look, you look like big because it's so ingrained into society and yeah. into like the, into your groups that I, it's, I have to be so conscious to not comment on it. Um, yeah. And, and even still it's, it's really difficult because everyone around you is doing it. So then it's like, oh, like how, you know, how do you, it's like group mentality, yeah. isn't it? It makes you feel like you need to do it um so yeah it's, it's a thing with society and you know i think having these kind of conversations is the is the step towards you know hopefully people mm. listen to this and maybe they'll try and carry it through themselves and and then that yeah. that knock-on effect will go um so when did um recovery begin for you or like you know when when would you say was the moment you i, I suppose i suppose after your dad said something was up and you had this moment of like oh maybe there's something wrong you know, how did it how did it begin what were your first steps mm. um so i would say it's difficult because recovery as in like weight restoration probably you know that started when i got back to cams um and you know i was with a psychologist and I had like weekly weigh-ins and everything and they gave me a meal plan um and then we also tried family therapy which at the time I thought they were saying that we had a bad family dynamic and that wasn't explained that that wasn't the point of it and you know now from doing my master's I realized that literally family therapy is not about that at all it's about giving the parents the steering wheel for a bit and just letting them guide it because you're not in a place to um and just making sure everybody's on the same page and so you know I I did that but if I'm honest I don't think I properly started recovery until I was about 20 um I think I was recovered as in like in a body that was health I'm doing speech marks here again yeah. <laughs> healthy um from from somebody on the street if they saw me they would think she's fine but I don't think until I was about 20 I then like was actively putting my all into recovery um and basically like in between that period I left cams because I just I mean, you can probably tell from how I've been talking about it before. I just didn't get on with the therapist and I didn't feel like there was anything there for me. And I massively regret that now because I think if I'd have stuck at it and if I'd have said to them, I'm really not finding this beneficial. Is there something else we can do? There would have been something. But mm. I think I just was very stubborn and put my guard up and I, I didn't want help. Um, but then when I was 20... Um, my, my now boyfriend who at the time was just, um, like he was one of my best friends and another guy that I did powerlifting with, they kind of sat me down and they were like, we know that you're, you feel like you're okay, but you're literally not like, cause we basically lived together and we were together all the time. And I think they could see that I was still like consumed by my eating disorder. Um, and 
so they said like we we want you to go and go to an adult clinic and so I did and I went but they diagnosed me with atypical anorexia again and so I was like I'm sick of this I'm sick of not being good enough I'm sick of not being perfect enough like I don't want this diagnosis so I never went back and again like it was a stupid thing to do but when those voices are so loud I think I just felt like there was no help for me um and so again I like started recovery myself um and was just I don't know I think I was just very honest about everything I was doing and kind of you know spoke to my parents about it spoke to my friends about it and the people that I was living with at uni and just said I just feel like I need a bit more support and I need somebody to sort of keep me in check um and make sure that I'm not just like slipping under the carpet because it's so easy at uni like you don't have your parents there and you're in control of everything so I just I needed to make sure that somebody was keeping an eye on me um and I think powerlifting really helped with the recovery because it kind of transferred from like I need to eat now because I'm not going to get those lifts if I don't eat um and at the time like you know when you're at uni you've got so much spare time I think I spent like four hours a day in the gym I was not lifting for four hours I was lifting for like probably like half an hour I was chatting so much so if I could go back to uni and do that I would absolutely it was amazing (laughs) having my saurine mid-set having my monster (laughs) um but yeah I think that really that really did help um until it came to competitions and then kind of I don't necessarily think it was an eating disorder and it was more it was more disordered eating and then that's sort of when like the compulsive exercise started um just kind of yeah I guess it transferred from anorexia into the compulsive exercising because I'd never really found coping mechanisms for the anorexia so it was just like the coping mechanism was sort of just to develop new disordered things I guess and do you mind if we talk about the whole exercise thing because I know yeah yeah. um I'm kind of just interested in in like how how it is for you at the moment with that like Mm. because I I know about the kind of the research around it and I know about my own experiences Um, and for for me it was very much um, like secondary exercise addiction so it's it's alongside some kind of disordered eating where they're kind of um, reinforcing each other so you know if I do this exercise then this happens if I eat this then it helps even more so then I should exercise even more because then it will help this one Mm. it goes goes on and on is that is that similar to what you experienced then if I'm honest I think (laughs) this sounds really like mean not mean but I just got sick of having an eating disorder I was just bored of it like I wanted something new um it just became so tiring to kind of have to be consumed by all those thoughts and like I'm not saying that I'm not still like disordered with my eating because I think I probably don't think I am but if you ask like my family or my boyfriend or they'd probably Mm. say that I still am um but I think so that I could have kind of a and I'm doing speech normal um diet I felt like I needed to exercise a lot more um and 
yeah so I think that's how it kind of developed in that I was eating more so I felt like okay in order to counterbalance that I need to exercise more so yeah I guess like you're saying it's that it kind of complements each other but also like I struggle with body dysmorphia as well so I think that kind of adds on to it as well in that I have to exercise I'm not trying to get I'm not trying to look different. I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm not trying to get leaner or whatever. I'm literally just trying to maintain what I have. Mm. But I know at the moment I do do quite a lot of exercise. So it's that whole, if I stop, what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, Is that like, it's like a protective factor. It's protecting you from something. You don't, maybe you don't necessarily know what you're protecting yourself from, Mm -hmm. but it's protecting you from something. Yeah. And like, I've done a lot of reading about it because I'm very like you, I think, in that, you know, whatever's going on, I like to have a good bit of research to back me up um, or just kind of like to know what's going on in my brain. Like, I find it so interesting. Um, and I think that's why it's, it makes me laugh because I'm like, I'm so interested in what's going on in my brain, but also like, it's not great, but, you know, it's still it's still good to read about. Yeah. Um, but I think it it all kind of ties together um into sort of like obsessive compulsive traits and like I don't have OCD but I think it's sort of all links together into you know the body dysmorphia like the the checking behaviors in the mirror and having to exercise um and stuff like that it's behaviors I have to do in order to like reassure myself that everything's okay Mm. um and you know like I've I've been doing, I'm not doing it anymore. I got discharged, but I, for the past year had been doing um, some therapy called EMDR. And she basically like, one of the things she asked me to do was to get rid of those sort of reassuring behaviors. So to stop saying to my boyfriend, do you think I've put on weight? Like he wasn't allowed to answer because it's seeking that assurance or like, you know, checking in the mirror to make sure everything still looks like quote unquote, okay. Um, getting those like reassurance behaviors for myself that was what was sort of perpetuating things it was keeping it there Mm. because I needed to know that I was still okay whereas in actual fact you know like I don't know maybe maybe from like October to Christmas I'd really got rid of those um like reassurance behaviors I was barely checking in the mirror and like I was genuinely doing exercise because I loved it because I think that's something really important to talk about is I don't hate exercise it doesn't make me feel bad I absolutely love exercise and like you know, I started CrossFit during lockdown. I mean, it's not full on CrossFit, obviously, because that would be very unsafe in my lounge. But I love it. Like, it makes me feel so good. Um, but it's it's kind of those those thoughts beforehand and that you need mm-hmm. to do this to be safe. That's, that's where the issue is, not necessarily, like, inside the exercise, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's... Um... A really good point and it's something that I often get accused of is is people think that I don't like exercise and I think that people shouldn't exercise and that's not the case at all mm. I, I love exercise I'm, I'm uh, like big into the gym and and I, mm. I think a lot of people I think a lot of people get a lot of positivity from exercise and it's very 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 well established in research that exercise is good for you both <laughs> physically and mentally um so I'm not trying to claim that that's not the case I'm just saying that that doesn't mean that it can't go too far or it can't go yeah. wrong 
Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure this is a bit of an extreme example, but I'm sure smoking relieves stress in some kind of ways, but it doesn't mean we ignore mm. all the issues it does to your lungs. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure an exercise is great for you in, in many ways. It doesn't mean we should ignore the the issues that can come with it. That, the smoking is quite an extreme example there, but you get my, <laughs> you get my gist. No, I, um, yeah, I get what you mean. So yeah, it's, it, my experiences are, are, um, I, I don't really understand my own experiences with it to, to a point. I get that, um, I have the ex, I definitely have exercise addiction. I definitely still have some form of disordered eating. Um, I, I have kind of like, um, what's the word self-diagnosed myself with muscularity oriented disordered eating just from, from what research there is about it. Mm. Um, but there is very lacking research and, um, and so, so it's kind of like, nobody really knows what's going on with it really to a, to a, to a point. Um, but yeah, it, it exercise for me is, is something it's weird for me. It's, it's, a I I the way I see it is that it's when I'm in a good place, I am eating in a deficit um, but I'm, and I'm exercising to build muscle. So I'm kind of doing counterintuitive things. And then when I'm in a bad place, I'm eating in a, in a surplus, but then I'm not doing the exercise because I feel like I'm not worth it. And it's really interesting because in, in, in someone with, sorry, I'm kind of in, in the like muscularity oriented disorder eating person's brain, at least in my head anyway. And it seems to be the case in the case studies that I've read as well. It's really interesting because you have these counterintuitive goals that you want to be big, but you also want to be lean. And it's, it's almost impossible, like nutritionally to achieve mm-hmm. both at the same time without taking steroids, which is why a lot of people tend to take steroids. Um, so my, yeah, my relationship with exercise is kind of tied into that in the fact that I use it in, in weird ways. I'm, when I'm in this kind of, in a place where I'm getting leaner technically, cause I'm in a deficit, then I'll exercise to get bigger cause I feel okay. But I attach negativity to when I'm in a surplus, which is what I'd need to do if I want to get bigger. So yeah. it's, it's, it's so, it's so, and this is why I find it so interesting because I, mm-hmm. I'm living through how chaotic and how weird it is. Or how, <laughs> no, I don't want to say weird. Cause it's, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm going through it through myself. So I suppose I have, I have somewhat of the right to say, but not really. Um, but that's why I find it so interesting and why I want to do research on it because I am feeling how, like, how, like, um, difficult it is to traverse it so I think it'd be really interesting to to like delve into it and actually figure out what's, what's going on um mm-hmm. yeah so it's, a, it's a weird one um so I feel I feel like I've just I kind of taken over there sorry I apologize no uh, I'm I just... sure, it was so nice watching you then because your eyes literally like lit up you can see how passionate you are about it I was just like whoa he, this is something he loves like, yeah that's my thing that was that's really nice uh, I'm currently <laughs> I'm currently working on a hopefully to do a PhD in it so it's it's literally wow. like my, my thing um so hopefully in the future um shout out to Una for helping me out with that um <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess I, I before I go on to our final questions I want to ask a little thing for for people listening who might be going through disordered eating and uh, maybe mm-hmm. something similar to yourself um do you have any advice that you would give to a listener maybe your, your top tip or couple tips for people listening yeah um that could that could maybe help them out if they're struggling I think like firstly my kind of advice would be is to just like not be hard on yourself 
I think it's so easy to kind of blame yourself or blame others for whatever's going on but it is just nobody's fault like it there's so many factors that cause disordered eating, eating disorders, whatever. And we do live in a society where it's pretty normal now to have some sort of issue with food. So if it is something that you're struggling with, just try and like be kind to yourself and recognize that it's just not your fault. Mm. But also in, in that sense, like don't, don't just let this become your normal. Don't go so easy on yourself that you kind of fall into a rabbit hole and you don't come back up. I think if you are genuinely recognizing that, you know, obviously we're not really doing social situations at the moment, but like if the thought of a social situation revolving around food sends you into despair or like if you have to do certain things in order to feel okay, just try and recognize those because they're not necessarily like normal behaviors and just try and talk to somebody about it like it doesn't matter who it is like it doesn't have to be your parents it doesn't have to be your partner or whatever it could be somebody that's pretty reserved like you know pretty far reserved from you or a doctor or anybody just try and have that conversation with somebody and if it is the doctor that you're going to talk to I don't want to like poo on doctors because they've only got such a short amount of time but try and keep a record of what's going on I'm not saying track your food or anything that is not what I'm saying please don't do that (laughs) that's not a good idea but um just to kind of have some things to be able to go to the doctor with and say this is what I'm struggling with I think beat actually have like a kind of checklist that you can print off and you can take to the doctor with you and it like lays out everything that the doctor will need to know because I think one thing that's really difficult is a lot of people do go to the doctors and they're turned away because there is a lack of understanding and I'm not blaming anybody because the the resources just aren't there but I think having some evidence behind you to say I am struggling and I do need some help will really help you just like get on your way with that um so yeah hopefully yeah, that will help I, yeah um and your uh, I was actually going to mention the the same thing you did that that leaflet thing that you can go on mm-hmm. the beat website I actually learned about it from your first podcast episode um <laughs> the, the, that there's like a I think it's called like the GP guide or something like that if you go if you type mm-hmm. in like GP guide beat um it'll probably come up um but yeah it's brilliant yeah. It, it gives it gives you information for for yourself for people who like your friends or family and also for a GP um so it, it's really yeah. just really good um so I want to kind of bring us to the end now. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on. I've got the final three questions that I ask everyone. Are you ready for the first question? I am ready. (laughs) Here we go. I can't, I want to come up with a name. Also, someone pointed out that none of them are actually questions. <laughs> They're all like, <laughs> I don't, I don't actually ask them in a question. I just tell, I, you'll, you'll see as I go. Um, so the first, the first not question question is <laughs> one person, real or fictional, who has inspired you? Oh, the funny thing is, is I have listened to so many of your podcasts and every time some like you do these questions, I'm like, how do people not know? Like surely that comes. And now I'm in this situation, like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's too many. I think. And also whoever I pick is going to be like, why didn't you say me? 
there's three people in my life that are my biggest inspiration and I've spoken about them a lot already but it would be my mum my dad and my boyfriend I think for different reasons like well actually all of them kind of for the same reason literally whatever life throws at them they they manage to sort it like I don't know how but all three of them just seem to go through everything so calmly and productively and I think I need to learn a lot from them because I have as we've mentioned you know if I have a stressful situation I have the wrong coping mechanisms but all three of them just yeah whatever life throws at them they've got it um and I think all three of them as well kind of they believe in themselves they're very different people all of them but they all kind of know what they want from life and they believe in themselves and they don't doubt that they can get there. And like, you know, we've spoke about it in the past where we're big doubters of ourselves and that we kind of, you know, put ourselves down a little bit. But I think, yeah, they definitely inspire me to just like recognize what I've done and be like, yes, you've got yeah. this. That's that the believing in yourself is such a wonderful trait. Cause I think when I'm around people who believe in themselves, it makes me want to believe in myself as well. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. they're doing it. Yeah. They, they do it. So I, I should be able to mm-hmm. do it as well. Um, so yeah, I, uh, lovely. Um, question two, a moment in, well, not a question, but a moment in your <laughs> life that you didn't like at the time, but now looking back, you know, that positives came from it. I think it's probably the one I spoke about with my dad. Okay. I think that probably was like my most embarrassing and one of the most difficult things I've had to do but also actually no I'm gonna I'm gonna swing a curveball um just because this is not related well it is related to eating disorders but in a different way um when I was doing my dissertation, my dissertation supervisor has very high standards and it's almost a sink or swim kind of style with her in that if you impress her, you're going to go far. If not, it's kind of by. Um, and I knew that I had that. I knew that I was capable and I knew that I was like, you know, I was so passionate about what I was doing. And now she just loves me like we get on so well she's giving me loads of things to like you know boost my career and everything like that so I think that is probably like the moments of I honestly used to like go for like a nervous toilet trip beforehand because I was (laughs) so scared um before we had our meetings but now like I think because I've shown that I am capable and determined she's got so much respect for me that like she really wants to help me do well so that definitely paid off that's 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 a good thing so it's kind of pushing yourself out of that comfort zone where you did feel a bit yeah. uncomfortable and a bit like scared sometimes um, yeah, but the, the really positives scared. came from it <laughs> um <laughs> okay a final one um I feel like you've said several of these in this podcast alone but I'm gonna put you on the spot um with the not question question number three (laughs) a phrase to live by oh okay my favorite feel the fear and do it anyway like that like that yeah 
yeah again it's that kind of idea of um pushing yourself out your boundaries and and you i think i think everything everything good comes from i think even sometimes you push yourself out your boundaries and you think nothing happens and then like two years later something happens because of it i feel like it's good stuff always comes from when you put yourself out your out your comfort zone um, even sometimes you don't even realize it maybe it's just like increased self-awareness or, or something mm-hmm. I feel like it's there's always positives that come from it yeah I think always when you first do something that terrifies you it feels scary mm. but ultimately if you never do it you're always going to have that fear whereas if you do it today tomorrow it'll be a little bit less scary and then in you know a few months time or whatever you'll literally look back and think why did I even find that scary like now it's just something that I do without even thinking about it yeah yeah and I think a really good um thing with that as well that I remember talking about this in in a podcast ages ago um, with Mark Deacon, um, who's a personal trainer who helps people with like mental health stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we spoke about how, you know, have if you have that fear, you could even just making baby steps towards it can be so helpful. So like he was talking about, let's say your fear is going to the gym, like you, you're worried about mm-hmm. the anxiety with it. It can be as simple as like, I'm going to go get in my car and start my car ready to go to the gym, or I'm just going to walk to the gym I'm not even go in. I'm just, and, and yeah. it, it's like kind of breaking down that fear. Um, it kind of yeah. made, just made me think of that, but that, that's a really good, yeah, really good phrase to live by. Um, Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, no, thank you. I think this podcast is definitely the most honest I've ever been. So thank you for like giving me the opportunity to kind of talk about that sort of stuff. Well, thank you so much for for being honest and and being here and and talking (laughs) about it. So obviously I always appreciate that. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Hannah. Um, Everyone listening at home, thank you again for coming and listening to the rambles that go on in this pod. Um, I hope you enjoyed and I will see you at the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Here at Maya Minds, we're trying to raise awareness for all the things that we speak about in this podcast. So please, if you can, give it a share. Each and every one of you has the potential to help us with that. Also, if you want to check out mayaminds.com, please do. You can see all our social media things on there. And we'd love to have you contributing more as a part of our community. Thank you.